0: I learned that too late in life. I spent far too long trying to sell to absolutely everybody and I'd fight till the end until I got ghosted or told no. Whereas now, I'm just like, you've not got a problem. This isn't for you. And they'll either qualify themselves in because they don't like that, or they'll agree and we move on. And just because it's not a problem today, doesn't mean it's not gonna be a problem in six weeks or whatever.
1: Hi everybody, this is Jason Mark Campbell, and welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Now today, I'm bringing to you the man who is the head of new business at Refract, an Allego company, and this is an all-in-one sales enablement platform. We're going to talk a bit more about this platform, but really what I want to focus on is the man who does this work and has been the author of a number one bestseller book called Problem Prospecting, and this book has actually been helping people when it comes to either B2B or B2C to really eradicate your prospecting troubles by leading with problems. We're going to talk more about what this all means. And so if you've ever found yourself trying to seek new business, maybe even been looking at your phone, looking at your computer, doing activities, you know, you have to do, but you keep hesitating and you're not jumping into it enthusiastically. We're going to talk about what's going on there and how you can find yourself be more effective, more enthusiastic when it comes to doing a key part of growing your business, which is this element of prospecting and the man who's going to be sharing us this wisdom is Mark Akers, who is coming to us right now. I'm so excited to have him here. Mark, welcome to the show and thank you.
0: Hi, Jason. Yeah. Great to be here. Looking forward to having a conversation today.
1: I see you are a man in the trenches. We were just talking about the differences between a sales trainer and a person that actually goes out and does sales. You are out there grabbing new business and really reaching out to people for this technology tool. So just give us a brief a bit about what is this tool and what is your, you know, your cycle? What are you looking for in businesses?
0: Yeah, so imagine any organization really that has a sales team. That sales team spends their time reaching out and speaking to ideal customers, and it's those conversations that really uh, where revenue is won and lost for a business. Here's the problem: there's typically more sales reps than there are sales leaders. Makes sense, right? They have lots of conversations with lots of prospects, and in those conversations, there are hundreds of moments that define the quality and the outcome of those conversations. As sales leaders, we want to make sure our team are confident, competent, have all the knowledge in the world to navigate those precious conversations as effectively as possible. But because of the volume of conversations, to the volume of sales reps, to the manager, with time in the day, it's almost impossible to understand truly what's going on in those sales conversations. It's really hard for a manager to answer questions like, what does good truly look like? What's the reason we've lost this opportunity? What does my top-performing sales rep do and say differently in their conversations to the rest of the team? And what they end up doing is having one-to-ones that sound a little bit like this. Jason, tell me about this opportunity of Acme that you're working on. Oh, it's going really well. They really like the product. We've got a demo next week. Fantastic. Tell me about this next opportunity you're working on. And what we've got there is about... Every sales conversation, a half-hour sales conversation has about 6,000 words. The sales manager gets about 30 of those words, plus notes in the CRM, which we all know sales reps aren't very good at. At best, they're half-assed. As a sales leader, we've got such limited visibility into these conversations. We get a rep opinion, and we're all optimistic in sales, of what's going on in those conversations. And we get rep opinion, CRM notes and boxes ticked, and from that, we try to forecast, we try to make strategic decisions, and that's where it all comes tumbling down. Something like, this is like Forrester Research, 68% of forecasts are wrong. You're almost better off flipping a coin. And that's the problem we solve. Our technology is like an extra set of ears. It listens to your team sales conversations. It shows a manager what calls they may or may not want to listen to. It shows them what the customer is saying, and it helps them identify what good looks like, where they need to spend their time, and gives them the facility to coach their reps to be better, more confident, and competent sellers. So a long answer, but that is what our company does and the technology within it.
1: That is brilliant, and I can tell you're a great salesperson because you explain it so thoroughly and so focused on the benefits that it provides and the key problem that it solves. So Mark, it sounds like with the businesses you do, there are actually quite large organizations that benefit from this tool. And as the sales director, you're constantly looking for these new businesses to come in and take advantage of this tool. What does your world of prospecting look like? Is it that you have to reach out to hundreds of people every week, or is it more of like a targeted list of people?
0: So there's a couple of ways to answer that. And I'll just give you the structure of the team that we have in the business. So we've got some sales leaders on one of those. We've got account executives and we've got sales development reps, SDRs, and everybody, even the CEO, is responsible for prospecting. Like We all have that mindset that you should prospect as often as possible. When you got a spare half hour, we should be prospecting, I'm trying to top up the pipeline because a healthy pipeline almost cures all ailments in a business. You can make better decisions because you're not worried about next month's forecast because you've got a healthy pipeline. In terms of me personally, I've done the sales development role for a number of years done the AE role for a number of years and now find myself still as a quota carrier, but leading that team. It's interesting, two years ago, if you asked me this, I would have said a lot of outreach, a lot of cold calls, finding people on LinkedIn. I managed to flip that on its head in the sense of I create a lot of content on LinkedIn. So every day, or damn near as close as possible, I post something on LinkedIn. And there's many different types of posts that I'll write only maybe 1 in 10, could even be as high as 1 in 15, is actually talking about the company that I work for and our technology. The posts that I write really mix from funny memes, quotes, sales stories that have happened in my own discovery calls and demos, sales stories that have happened in my team's conversations and demos, culture, win stories, loss stories, and ultimately everything that I write is written to add value to educate to inform my ideal customer be that they're my ideal customer today or they're the future sales leaders that have be my ideal customer and today they're the champions and regularly get a lot of interaction with my posts and that's my list reach out to those people and i say you know thanks for showing my content some love they normally respond because they feel like they've been acknowledged. And I'm nothing special, but when you comment on someone's post, and that person comments, but you don't expect that necessarily. So when you comment back and you ask them like, you know, just simple questions, question, like, have we ever spoken before? And they'll tell you, no, but I saw this post and it made me laugh, or it resonated with me because we have that problem, or it helped me solve this challenge. And then you almost have this like sell-by chat, almost like texting. It's just backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. They love it because they're talking to someone that they've engaged with. For me, there's that commonality because they've commented on my post. And from there, set up a conversation. And I mean, that's sort of almost fishing, but I often get fish, almost jump out of the water and land in the basket. they message me, Mark, I've been following your content for a long time. I'd love to have a chat. In fact, I literally had one like that this morning. We've got a call on Friday never spoke to the person before in my life. He's actually never even engaged with any of my posts. He's what I call like a lurker. He's just been reading and lurking. So I get a lot of my leads. I'm very fortunate from talented SDRs, inbound marketing, but also because I create content. And that did take seven, eight months of consistently writing content every single day but it's paid off. So yeah, I do still prospect. We have prospecting days. I'll get in the trenches. We've got great technology to help speed up that process and remove some of the manual work. But yeah, so real mix of answer there. But the reality is I'm sort of giving some tips as well as to what people can do.
1: What I'm loving here is that you're already seeding some of the ideas that I know are kind of the modern ways of prospecting, right? And I wanted to touch about this because it feels like there's a lot more options, a lot more opportunities to engage in conversations and the elephant prospector and tool that has emerged as a giant champion is LinkedIn. It's becoming more and more relevant. And I mean, I've found you in LinkedIn. I get to connect with incredible individuals on LinkedIn. And so I'd love to talk about, you know, cause you've been in this industry for quite some time, what has been shifting in this prospecting world? And what are these new opportunities being LinkedIn? Sounds like one of the major ones.
0: So LinkedIn is a major one, actually. In fact, what i do, I'll, I'll tell you a story. So about three, four weeks ago, put a post out. I can't remember what the post was, but it was about LinkedIn. And someone commented that what frustrates them is how LinkedIn has almost morphed into Facebook. I just pushed back on that slightly because they were saying it was wrong. They were saying it's people treating LinkedIn as Facebook is wrong. And I just coming back. I can see how there might be some posts that we don't need on LinkedIn. But LinkedIn has changed. When I had it, it was a real black and white CV library. That's what it was. And you connected with people that you met at events. But now, if you think about how LinkedIn's changed in the last five years, it lets you write posts, it lets you add photos, it lets you add videos, it lets you send voice notes. They dabbled with stories. There's a lot that's changed with the platform. And that's because. The generation that's come onto it now has grown up with social media, instant gratification. You know, it's almost impossible to imagine a millennial or, or next generation going for a coffee and not telling the world what they're doing. And LinkedIn's embraced that, and it wants that noise, it wants that traffic. And I've sort of just tried to follow that trend. I do like to write most of my posts that, that are helpful, but the last two, yesterday I had a day off, played around a round of golf. I put a post out that, you know, my granddad used to say, bad days golfing is better than a good day's working. And I was on the golf course, and I thought, should I post this? It's had 142 likes. It's had 17,000 views. It's had 24 comments. That's my list. You know, I can reach out to those people. Today, I put a funny meme. Literally an hour ago, it's already had 95 likes. I mean, you saw it, right? And then I've got other posts, like I say, where I'm sharing stuff that really happens in life, what we did to overcome it. And again, it gets lots of engagement. So the power of LinkedIn is your audience are all on it. Less than 1% of people on LinkedIn produce content. When you produce content, you almost get this label of thought leader, content creator, expert. And I'm not. No one's an expert in sales. People say they are. But sales... Sales' opinions, right, it's not science. If we took every sales book in the world and we ripped them up, and we took every science and maths book in the world and we ripped them up, in a thousand years' time, those science and maths books would be the same. Every sales book would be different. So I'm no expert. I just literally write and share my opinion. But because I do it consistently, I do it every single day, and I write for a very clear audience, and I connect with the audience that engages it, because they're likely to engage again. I message the people that engage with me, and I'm now fortunate to be seen by some, not many, You know, I've not got millions of followers or anything like that, I've got a very small number of followers, but I'm seen as someone that people want to talk to and interact with, hence opportunities like being on this podcast. Hence, opportunities like being a sales coach for companies like Impact Sales Academy. Hence, having the confidence to write a book and it become a number one bestseller. I'm nothing special. I just produce content that resonates and I follow up on that.
1: I find it amazing on LinkedIn where it doesn't seem to have the same type of, call it incentive or chase for followers. The number of followers isn't even emphasized And you look at other platforms, it's like, oh yeah, I need to go like Instagram or TikTok. It's like, how many followers can I get? Yet LinkedIn seems to have in the small numbers, they're actually the relevant people you need to be connecting with. And I share this story, you know, so many times where I had a video I recorded and I posted the same video on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And it was me educating about a concept on sales. And on LinkedIn, I got a couple of comments and the people were just saying like, wow, good advice, thank you, people would message me and they'd be like, wow, I appreciate this, what you shared. And then I, I look on my Instagram and the only comment that came in was a buddy saying like, whoa, I like your beard. And I was like, well, but I looked, I had much more likes, much more views on the Instagram because I was more active there, but the quality of the people that were watching it were not even people I could potentially do business with. And so I was wondering, what am I doing there? The place I should be is on LinkedIn, especially when you get clear on who you want to serve. Now, there are times that I get in my head and I want to be consistent on LinkedIn. I want to post, but I feel like, oh my God, I don't have enough of a following. Am I doing something original? I can't just post anything. And you just talked about how you shared a meme and that's okay too. And so what do you typically advise for people that want to use consistent posting on LinkedIn to share value, but feel paralyzed that they don't have enough ideas or their ideas not good enough?
0: So I've written a post about this a while ago, actually. Here's some uncomfortable truths. First of all, when you write a piece of content on LinkedIn, no one's listening, no one's reading it, no one's watching it. You just posted one thing. You've poured a drop in an ocean. No one cares. It's when you start doing it regularly, people start to take notice. And a lot of people will give up after two, three weeks. Maybe they'll try two months. It's a little bit like the gym it's ironic that I use the gym as an example because clearly I don't go, for those that can see the video. But it's a little bit like the gym. You don't create muscle, you don't lose weight within two weeks or two months. You've got to go regularly, right? And you know the people that go regularly because they're dedicated and they don't just go to the gym. They eat well, they watch what they eat, they track calories, they make sure they get good sleep, etc. With LinkedIn, as I say, the uncomfortable truth is no one's going to be paying any attention for the first month or, and beyond. You will get tired of writing content well before people get tired of reading it. What you say is important, but when you're starting out, you've got to find your own voice. And that's really important. Like Some people think they've got to almost be someone else, like imposter syndrome. I just post it how I would say it. I've kind of got this rule that, how would I say this if I was talking to a friend in a pub? Because, that's how I talk, that's my voice, and I'm not afraid to share that. I'd rather people followed me for someone I am than follow me for who I'm not. I'm sure I could have more followers if I wanted to, but I just do me, have my own voice, and that's it. So post regularly, no one's reading or watching, have your own voice. And the next thing is like stories work. People love vulnerable stories like where you share, I made this mistake. People love win stories, you know, I've had this success. But there's a lesson here. People obviously don't like people that just gloat. And as I say, less than 1% of people are creating content. And the beauty is, you don't have to be connected with people to see it. If you get a like or a comment, their whole network's got the potential to see it. And that's where you get like this massive opportunity to expand. So I've definitely got more tips on this LinkedIn posting, like eight or nine tips I'll put in there. I'll try and give you the link, Jason, otherwise I'll just be sat trying to find it.
1: We're going to make sure we include it into the show notes so everybody can get an access to that. So if you want to focus on building yourself on LinkedIn and want to hear some of the lessons from Mark, go into the show notes you'll see in the bonus section. There is going to be a link to this article so you can find it immediately. And Mark, I love this advice. And now it's like it's almost you're building your personal brand. And I think that's a key part that I'd want to expand on because as you mentioned, a lot of the content, it's you. And so it's related to the buyer that you target for the company that you work for, but you're not just there saying like, buy my product, buy my product. I work for this company and do this. You're really actually building a personal brand. So could you elaborate more on the importance of that?
0: Yeah, so people, curl their toes at the thought of creating a brand. And I would certainly be one of those people a couple of years ago. You know, we've got this TV show, I know you've got it in America as well, called like The Apprentice. And people will say to me like, you know, I'm a brand. And you just kind of like, you curl your toes and think, what an idiot. But the reality is, it's your face next to the content that you're creating. People will start to put them together. And if you're authentic, they will start to buy into you. And I really don't believe people buy from people that they like. I mean, they might do. They might do, but ultimately they will buy for the product that suits them and their needs above liking someone. However, they do buy from people that they trust. And there is something about creating content, being seen as an expert, being seen as someone who openly shares their views as a trusted advisor. And that's what people buy into, so they buy into you as someone that they want to almost connect with and, and get behind. You know, I've had some customers say to me, it's great that we bought your product because we get to hang out now. And we don't, but we talk on LinkedIn. But we don't hang out, but it's that affiliation. And like, loads of people do it so much better than me, by the way. There's so many amazing people on LinkedIn that do an even better job than me, you know, like significantly better go and find them. There's some unbelievable people to follow. And I wished I had this when I started out my career in sales like 10 plus years ago. All I got to look at was people's CVs. I've now got people just every day sharing value, sharing content. And it's so much more digestible than a book. If you ask me how many books I've read in the last 10 years, don't know. If you ask me how many LinkedIn posts I'd read and learned, it'd be phenomenally higher than books because it's there right now in your face and it's digestible and takeaway.
1: I love it. And so the wealth of information exists out there. This is what I love. And so for those who are having these problems, you can usually find the answers. And on LinkedIn, you got some pretty good answers that come up from some of these leaders, including yourself. But I wanted to go into more specific because in your subtitle for the book you wrote, and of course we will have a link to the book for those of you who are interested into eradicating their prospecting troubles. You talk about leading with problems being a potential solution here. Can you tell us more about what's going on here? What do we mean about leading with problems?
0: So problems make brains pay attention. You may have noticed, and there's a reason I explained where I worked in the way that I did. So I would advise you to go back and listen to that. I spoke about the problem. What I could have easily done was gone. So Refracts, a conversation intelligence platform that analyzes your team's sales calls, using AI, helps managers review and coach conversations. No one cares about that. It's me talking about me. What people care about is having, I've got a team that's having lots of conversations, but we're not, converting, our forecasts are wrong, lead with problems. And you'll start to notice with that mindset of problems make brains pay attention, you'll start to notice how the world is geared up for that in successful marketing, in movies, just in life. The things that grab your attention normally lead with a problem. And I've got so many examples of that, you know, like if you look at the news, it always starts with coming up tonight, problem one, problem two, problem three then you get the intro and the news presenters then sat down and you're hooked, right? I took my son to the cinema, my son's three years old at the time when I took him, this was about six months ago, to see Paw Patrol. And I was anxious, I was like, he's not going to want to sit and watch this movie, not for an hour and a half. And we literally stood outside the theatre waiting for the Paw Patrol music to start, because we are like, right, run in, minimum time, sit down. And we sat there and the first thing that happens in this movie is a truck hangs off a bridge and the driver's like help me help me help me and my son you could see his brain exploded. he was like oh my god Poor Patrol can't rescue him he's done because the problem made him pay attention bear mind, was his first time he could have had him mind blown he went into a room that had this huge screen there was hundreds of chairs and people we had popcorn and he was whoa look at this problem this truck this guy is in serious trouble the Poor Patrol better get there quick you know the problems just capture our attention. And when we're cold calling, when we're writing emails, when we're sending LinkedIn messages, or even writing LinkedIn posts, I talk about the problem, and the problem engages people, it snaps them, to where you need them to be, and they read on. And as I say, when you start to really think about problem-centric, you start to notice adverts on Instagram start with a problem. The news starts with a problem. Commercials start with a problem. Even like great movies, I mean, Paw Patrol is a great movie, I'm sure, to certain kids of certain ages, but even great movies I can think of start with a problematic scene, like the plot, that gets you absolutely gripped, and like, oh, this is going to be a good film. So that's what I mean by leading with problems. It's about talking to your prospect about a problem that they are likely to have in their world, and if they do, it'll resonate and they will listen. If it doesn't, they'll tell you it doesn't, and we can qualify out and move on, because you only really want to spend your time talking to people that have a problem and are motivated to solve it and trust you to help them do it. And when you learn that, you become so much clearer in what you're trying to achieve Monday to Friday, so much more confident in who you qualify in and qualify out, I learned that too late in life, I spent far too long trying to sell to absolutely everybody and I'd fight till the end until I got ghosted or told no. Whereas now I'm just like, you've not got a problem, this isn't for you. And they'll either qualify themselves in because they don't like that, or they'll agree and we move on. And just because it's not a problem today, doesn't mean it's not going to be a problem in six weeks or whatever. And then people follow me on LinkedIn, hey Mark, now might be a better time to chat, I've been following your content, I remember our conversation, can we set up a call? It's like that nurture campaign, but people are buying into me more so than the product. The product's kind of like just what we can do, but they want me to help them with that.
1: Mark, I love what you started with as well, which is the fact that when you have a full pipeline and your prospecting is always happening, you have so much less stress within the business. And I hope for people that are paying attention to this session, when you see that you're applying the techniques we're talking about here, leading with the problem, creating that content, building that personal brand, committing to, engaging, regularly posting so you can be seen as an authority, building that trust, making sure you know who it is that you're targeting so that you're speaking to them relevantly about their problems, that you start actually having people that are coming to you and then your prospecting problems become easier, more fun, and you actually feel less desperate for every sales that comes in and you can be more confident, more competent in the process as well. Mark, I can tell that you are an amazing salesperson just by the way that you speak in this interview. Interviews are just a sales call where we're trying to get ideas to come to the surface, right? I wanted to ask you one more question, which is, you know, you are on the Selling With Love podcast, and I wanted to ask you, for you, what does selling with love mean?
0: It means about genuinely believing what you're doing has a purpose. I don't wanna get really deep here, but the reality is, right, we go to work every day, so it enables us to do what we want to do in our free time. For me, it's about, I'm either spending time with my little lad and my wife, or I'm working for them. And I think there's two types of happiness. One is when there's no expectation. Do you know like when New Year's Eve, you go, oh, New Year's Eve, is going to be amazing, everyone's going to be there, it's going to be a big party, we're all going to be in town. And the next day, even if it was a great night, you're like, uh, it's a bit rubbish, that. It wasn't what I expected. And then there's the other kind where people are like, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to come out tonight? And you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And he's like, whoa, that was brilliant. Like That was such a good time because there was no expectation there. So there's that kind of happiness where there's no expectation. You really are fond. But then there's the other kind. And this is what selling with love means to me. There are kinds where you lose track of time. You are working and you're like, Jesus Christ, it's three o'clock. Where did that go? And there's two types of people at work. Some will go... I cannot believe it's only three o'clock. And others will go, Jesus Christ, it's three o'clock. Because I love what I do. I believe wholeheartedly in the product. I sell to people that are in my profession, so I get it. I don't think I could ever sell to people that aren't in sales. It's really important to me. I write content about it. I'll often go to bed thinking, what am I going to post about tomorrow? I kind of weirdly feel like people are waiting for that post, right? So selling love means finding it, product that you passionately believe in, an audience that you can relate to, and you have a job where you cannot believe where time's gone because you've lost track of time because you love what you do. And that's what selling love means to me.
1: Beautiful answer, Mark Akers. Thank you so much for coming on the show. For those of you who are paying attention, listen, Problem prospecting, completely eradicate your prospecting troubles by leading with problems. Mark's book is available on Amazon. You will see in the bonus section, we will have a link to the book for you to purchase, whether you want it as a Kindle or paperback, they are both available. We're also going to have a link to this article that can give you more in-depth practical things you can apply right away on building your own LinkedIn strategy. It is a beautiful platform. It is growing. A lot of conversations are happening there and it's people that have their mind on business, which is going to be much more relevant when you're seeking out clients with the content that you are posting and of course we're talking about all the ways that you can do this it's a modern era of prospecting and if you keep doing it successfully and you're using the ways that mark is speaking about today you're going to be successful doing it and it's going to bring you the results more sales less stress more happiness more flow more selling with love mark once again thank you so much for coming on the show
0: thank you really enjoyed it thanks for having me